This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Delivery. so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Thank you very much, everybody, once again. Um, I'm Ben, and I'm joined by Gary. You all right? I've got bits of beard on me, I think. This is the... <laughs> This is the second part of the uh, the live specials for the Stacey West podcast. Uh, myself and Gary, we're, we're joined again by a very special guest. We've got Michael Appleton on the sofa. Another round of applause. I was going to say, is that worth a round of applause? I thought it is. Yeah, I thought that's worth a round of applause. <laughs> um, so to, to catch up from, from part one, of those who haven't listened, we've been talking yep. about Michael's um, career up till now. Um, and we've, we've arrived at the crucial moment where Michael Appleton, the player and coach, becomes Michael Appleton, the manager. Uh, obviously, you went into what could be described as quite a big job with uh, with several challenging caveats coming your way. Uh, yeah, it, it was. I mean, what what I would say is that um, you know I, I met the owners originally the first time, um, and to be fair, um, I, I hit it off certainly with one of them at the time because. Um, he was a ice hockey player who had a serious injury. So similar to myself, we had something in common. He had to finish his career early. So there was probably a little bit of that that helped. And then obviously, second interview phase, got to meet like the owners in, in full, both owners. So um, when I got the got the call for the, the job, I was a little bit surprised because I know they've spoken to a lot of people. But again, like I say, I think I did end up getting it on the back of the stuff I was doing on the field at the time and, and working with Roy. So... Um, Roy was as good as gold, took the opportunity um, and for the first five or six weeks it was actually, you know, it was pretty good um, it was what it said on the tin um, and then very, very quickly it turned uh, into a very, very big challenge on the back of going into administration um, we found we found ourselves well, first and foremost, my first meeting with the first administrators uh, was them telling me I had to sick six members of staff. Uh, that was my very first meeting with them. So I just said, look, that's not an option. I'm happy to walk away. You can bring someone else in now. For them to turn around to me and say, well, you leaving is not an option. So I said, well, 
there needs to be common ground. We need to find a way of fixing this. So um, I've realised from the PFA at the time that the players were going to take a 20% reduction. Staff at the time weren't getting paid anything. And then over a period of time, we were getting paid 50% of our salary. But the players, obviously, because they, they were bigger earners, um, they were getting 20% reduction. And, and I, I went to the administrators and said, look, what would it take to keep these people in a job until January at least? Um, and uh, they said, you know, more from the from the players. So I remember it wasn't planned. It was just a little bit off the off the cuff. It could have gone horribly wrong, but it didn't. Um, and I remember pulling all the members of staff into the first team dressing room, speaking to the players, told them the seriousness of the situation, asked them how important the members of staff were and the jobs that they do on a day-to-day, uh, how much they needed them, because if they did, uh, then they're going to have to take a little bit more of a hit than they're taking at the minute. I knew that their money was protected through the insurance of the PFA. It would just be when, not if they get the money back. Told the captain at the time, Lee and Lawrence, he's got five minutes to have a discussion with the players, and I wanted to know before we, you know, we were going into training. Um, my office was upstairs, and I hadn't got... I didn't go up the stairs uh, and he come running after me and just said, look, it's done, do whatever you need to do. Um, so that was, that was a, um, it was a, it was a tough moment, but a good moment in the sense that it brought everybody at the football club together. So regardless of how difficult the actual year was and dealing with it, um, we certainly give it everything that we had. And I think we got really relegated on the penultimate day of the season and we, you know, the, the wage bill was reduced from around something like 13 million at the time to around about 3 million. Um, so we were bringing players in, hence, you know, obviously um, youth players and developing players. We were bringing a lot of players that had worked with at West Brom, worked against and come up against it, the likes of United Cities, Arsenal's, um, who were on absolute minute wages compared to some of the players who were playing at the football club at the time. And we and, and it was good and we give it a right crack and like I say, we, we just missed out on staying up. Obviously, we, we would have stayed up if we wouldn't have got done the 10, 12 points it was at the time, which is an achievement in itself. Um, and um, I was hoping that would be the end of it, if I'm being honest. Um, but then what I did was I found myself sort of going away for the summer a little bit knowing that we were still in administration to a point. We had a, a, an owner who was a reluctant owner because the owners that I went into the football club had been arrested for money laundering. Um, so I'm now dealing with a new set of owners and a new set of administrators um, who told me one thing before I went on holiday. Then when I come back off holiday and I'd spoken to probably about 11 players and promised them a contract on this, this and this, because of what I've been told, I had to go back and say, actually, no, that's not the case. So we found ourselves um, on the Thursday uh, before the first game of the season, we signed 14 players on month contracts uh, two days before. And we had to because we would have got kicked out of the league, probably. You look at the scenarios of Barry and Bolton now, maybe a little bit lapsed by that time. They were really threatening to kick us out. And it was actually the, the year where the League Cup was played before a league game had been played. Um, and I remember us going down to Plymouth with our youth team at the time. Um, and um, 
they, they beat us in the first round of the League Cup. But it was an interesting time. We played Bournemouth on the opening day of the season. They were favourites to, to win the league and go up. Massive budget and obviously plenty of backing from the owners. Um, and we ended up somehow drawing one all uh, with a team that was put together on the Thursday. Um, so it was it was a difficult period. Um, having said that, great staff, great people, fantastic supporters. Um, it just got to a point where I stopped enjoying the job. Last five or six weeks of the job was difficult. I found myself taking the training session, um, believe it or not, in Southampton. The training grounds in Southampton, of all places. Uh, and then driving from there down to Fratton Park. And I'd say pretty much four out of the five days, I was either having a meeting with the administrators or meeting with potential new owners. And it was just, I, I almost become like a businessman or I suppose similar sort of role as Liam as a chief exec. And it just it just wasn't, you know, what a manager or coach, you know, should have been doing at that time. So the opportunity to, to move on uh, came um, and all sorts of reasons, really, that I think location was a big one, obviously. Um, my kids were, were living were living up north in Preston. It was only around the corner. So that was a big part of that decision. So, I mean, obviously, for, for those who don't know, it was it was up to Blackpool, which obviously Portsmouth, had, as we've said, they had the problems, administration, mm. errant owners, etc. Uh, and you've gone into Blackpool under the Oystons, obviously mm. coming come from the Premier League and, and slowly filtered down as well. Obviously, location was was one of the reasons i mean did how was it working with the oysters did you did you settle well because i mean in actual fact your record at blackpool was you only lost two in 11 yeah yeah no it, it was that. it was um the actual squad at blackpool even though uh it wouldn't have been very well known at the time there was a lot of foreign lads in there there's three or four spanish lads good footballers um and obviously so the way i wanted to play i thought you know the actual squad wise it suits me um the training facilities were were a little bit different uh, to say the least, I remember um, on my second press conference, or not press conference, but doing the media, we were doing it at the training ground and um, it was freezing, it was November and um, I had like three or four local like press in there and it was a little bit more than normal because obviously it was only my second one and uh, the light was flickering and, and, it, and it, was, it was like I had this like heater on on the table and uh, I shouted the the kit man at the time. I said, what's going on with this? He said, oh, um, you've got to choose. I said, what are you on about? He said, you've got to choose either heat or light. <laughs> so, so Tory like, wow. Britain for you, though. on a generator, because the actual training I was running on a generator. So I just said to the press, look, we're going to have to do this in the dark, because there's no chance we're doing it without heat. So, um so yeah, that was a bit of an eye opener. And the, when I first walked in, there was actual bucket would be in a room probably the size of this, and there was just four or five buckets, like randomly placed where the roof was leaking. Um, so, but to be fair to the players, they never moaned. Never ever once did they moan. They just, they got on with it, and we had a, we had a reasonably decent group. Um, the potential could have been outsiders for the playoffs. Um, and like you say, it was the, the problem I had at, at, at uh, Blackpool was the same problem I had with probably the three clubs in the early part of my career. I drew too many games, you know, didn't particularly lose that many. Actually, we just drew too many games, um, and, that, and a lot of that was my own fault. 
um, a goal ahead in games and you know, want to go and get the second goal and finish the team off and keep attacking because that was my philosophy. Um, and it cost me a lot of the time. So um, it took, you know, them experiences for me to take them and obviously make sure that didn't happen again when I, when I finally moved on to Oxford. And obviously before Oxford, we were talking Blackburn. Mm-hmm. Um, and just while we were, we'll say, off air there, we were having a little chat about that kind of trying to move forward. I mean, because it was a relatively short spell at Blackpool, wasn't it? And yeah. some people have looked and kind of gone, it's short spells everywhere. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't a matter of you being pushed out the door. It was it was choices you made. Yeah, I, 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 I took the job at Blackpool and... I, I'm not going to go into too much detail, but I took a huge, huge risk. Huge, huge risk. And obviously there's only people closer to me know, know what I mean, why. And then Blackburn coming pretty quickly and it almost took that risk away. Um, so, you know, whether that was the right thing or wrong thing, ultimately it was the wrong thing at that time. But I think over a period of time, it certainly, it certainly helped me in some of my decision-making going forward after that. So, um, yeah, Blackburn come along... Part of me thought, well, they've had a manager, they've sacked him after 60 odd days, surely they can't do that again. Uh, (laughs) So, um, but, you know, I think it was one of them where there was was a lot of big characters at the football club at the time. I was disappointed because the remit was to basically stay in the championship and reduce the wage bill. They said they wanted me in because I could deal with difficult situations, what I did at at, um, at Portsmouth, uh, and then work with younger players. as happens a lot of time in football, you have a bad month and all of a sudden they just want to do something about it. What they actually forgot about was what happened the previous month or the previous six weeks where we beat Arsenal and the only team to do it at the Emirates in a, in a cup and get to the quarter-final of the FA Cup. Um, so it, it's it's one of them where um, I took loads from the, 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 the free clubs that I had in a short space of time. I actually did a year at Portsmouth. People don't Forget so don't realise that you know um, under two administrations it was pretty difficult. But the two short spells at Blackburn and Blackpool, I needed a break. I didn't need to get away from it a little bit. Um, so I, I went and did a lot of um, watching different types of football. Um, did a lot of club visits. I worked for the FA for a little bit for Roy, going and watching teams and players, and that was great experience. Literally going around Europe watching some of the European games and watched a lot of their um, opposition for France. Um, I remember one memorable game, the playoff game, I think it was Ukraine that France were playing and they were 2-0 down from the first leg. And I went to the, the, the second leg in, in Paris and they, and they beat them 3-0 and that was, that was a pretty good night as well. They looked after me, to be fair. Um, but uh, yeah, it was, it was good. It was a good experience and it was giving me time to reflect because I, I knew that the next... The next one I did from a management point of view was going to be was going to be big, you know. Like I say, I, I'd like to think that I'd always get a job in football as a coach, um, but obviously management it was very very different. So I knew I had to get it right. I knew I had to go to a club that sort of not necessarily match my ambitions because that's that's an obvious one, but was where I was at that time, and and Oxford was the one. So we love you happy i don't want to make it i don't want to make it the gary and michael no show, it's uh, i mean obviously you know you, you say about oxford was the, the right club for you at that time it's it, it was one of those jobs where <clears throat> i think looking at it from from the outside in um i think i, I think 
perfectly honest when when it was announced you were you know coming to coming to Lincoln or you, the rumor was that you were going to be taking the Lincoln job it was one of those where I didn't know a whole lot about your your history as a manager and so I looked into it and it was like oh well did a lot of you know a lot of good stuff at Oxford and looking into that it was one where you came in and they gave you the time that you needed they gave you the, the you know you did what you could um, with the resources that you had and you made it, you made the job your own um, in that respect. And then looking into um, the, the fan side of things, um, there are, you know, there's people um, like the guys from the Not The Top 20 podcast and, and other podcasts like that, they've said that they will hold you in extremely high regard because of what you did at Oxford. Um, and it was it was when that sort of, when that all came around, I thought to myself, okay, well, Maybe this is maybe this is the kind of character that we we would need at Lincoln, um, and looking into stuff at Oxford. I mean, the, the story that sticks out, and I'm sure you, you probably know where I'm going to go with this, is the story about when the team were on a, a pre-season tour, and you just showed up in the bar that you knew all the fans were going to be at. Mm. Um, like, where did that come from? Like when, <laughs> when you were at Oxford, and, and that sort of just how how did you see your time at Oxford as a as a manager? Well. That that actual incident was a bit. It was it was a no brainer. I felt at the time because when when I when I first arrived, um, I remember going to watch the 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 last bit of the warm up at the Kassam, and there was nobody in the stadium. Like, and it was like about it was about twenty five to three, and I'm like, they like, they called it off or something, you know? Like, I was wondering what's going on. There was nobody in the stadium. I'm thinking, Jesus Christ, was there that bad of an appointment? Of like, not took a game for like eighteen months. Like, you know, it's like. <laughs> You know, it's like I was thinking, wow. And then, um, then I went inside, spoke spoke to a couple of the staff, and they said, well, basically because they, because the old owners, um, there's such a bad relationship with the fans and the and the and the owners of the stadium, uh, not the previous owners, but the owners of the stadium, um, they don't want to spend their money in the stadium, so they don't want to buy drinks, you know, and alcohol, soft drinks, whatever, and, and pies, etc. So. They they all stay in the cars or the local uh, pubs and cafes and stuff, um, and then literally come in, start filtering in about twenty to three, quarter to three. Um, so I was like, wow, okay. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, it, it, what, what happened at Oxford is basically, you know, I went into a football club that had lost eight of the last nine games from the previous season, so there was a losing mentality. Um, didn't go until quite late into pre-season. Didn't sign many players. And um, the first season was very difficult. The first six months especially. Um, I had to change the philosophy, the way that they, they approached the game. Um, took a bit of stick along the way. It's part and parcel of the process. Eventually, over a period of time, people come round. Uh, we started bringing some decent players into the club. Uh, and we had a lot of success. Um, not only on the field, but off the field. And... That was the start. Of the um, that was my second pre-season. The the incident, the bar incident, and we were in Austria, and um, it was a time where, um, if you remember, Oxford won the League Cup. Was it eighty six? I think it was eighty six. They won the League Cup, and the previous year was the Heysel trouble. So English teams had been banned from playing in Europe, so they never got an opportunity to play in Europe. So what we decided to do was. Oxford are back in Europe. So it was the first time they'd gone on a pre-season tour and we went to Austria and we, we, we went to this lovely town in Austria and stuff and we took something like, there was about 1,500 Oxford fans that went 
it was incredible because um, we just created this like atmosphere and there was flares and all sorts going on at the time. And um, I knew that there was a pub because the the the, the head, um, you know, Oxfox at the time and, and stuff that they uh, they made themselves known to everybody as as most clubs do and have their you know head on show supporters so it's the speak. Oxford takeover. Yeah, yeah. Um so <laughs> so I, I remember meeting them a few times and I remember after the game they were telling me where they were going and where they'd been the night before and that they took complete control of this pub and it was brilliant, great atmosphere and the locals were great with them. And then we were having a, a meal um probably in a in a bar probably hundred miles hundred yards away. So I took all the staff and players out for a bite to eat. And I'd heard that this pub was down the road. So I spoke to a couple of members of staff and a couple of them were like, you are joking. Like, I'm, like, I'm, <laughs> I'm like, well, maybe, yeah. And that's why I'm running it by you. Like, what do you think? And anyway, we just, what we did, we decided that we were going to go in. Uh, someone would go ahead, order 30 pints, whatever it is, staff and players, and just make the announcement, listen, um, we appreciate your support. You've got half an hour with the players. They're happy to talk and, you know, mingle. And, and, and to be fair, it was one of them where we did it. We did it on the half an hour. After half an hour, a whistle went and we left and it was all, all great. And I think it, it, it would have got too daft and maybe a little bit stupid if we'd stayed on a little bit. But it just worked. And what happened was that filtered back to the, to the rest of the fans. And I think they got to see the togetherness that was trying to build with the group. Um, and then that season probably apart from obviously losing at Wembley in the final couldn't have gone any better with the promotion you know some of the players that we we, we produced and, and uh, we had a lot of success in the cup as well See, I'm quite interested in an early signing I think you made at Oxford um, Alex McDonald who I personally feel is a, is a horrible little bastard um, and I'm a s- I'll be honest, I do. And I'm, I'm kind of assuming, I mean, is that why you signed him, that, that type of character? Is that important in fostering that mentality almost? Well, yeah, he might be a horrible little bastard to the opposition, but like when you've got him in your dressing room and he's on your team, he's, he's, you know, he's, he's quite a useful tool. I think, I think with Maka, um, I made two signings in that January. They weren't, we weren't supposed to do them until the, the summer, but I, I spoke to the chairman and the board and just said, look, you know, we need a bit of a catalyst here in this dressing room um, because probably a few weeks earlier, and you probably heard this one, but I, I remember we, we took a heavy defeat at Cranebridge and people made a massive thing of it because of the boat race, Oxford-Cambridge. I'm like, well, it's, it's played with a ball and it's on a pitch. It's not, you know, so... But they try to make a big thing of it. Anyway, we got turned over 5-1, my heaviest defeat as a manager. Um, I remember asking a question in the dressing room of who's been relegated. And it was a little bit more aggressive than that and a few F-bombs in there. Um, but I said, who's been relegated? And there was only one person who never put his hand up in the whole dressing room. So you know the, the phrase, never ask a question uh, that you don't know the answer to? Well, I certainly didn't know that answer. Um, and I had to do an interview for Sky straight after it. Uh, and the lights were on, but literally nobody was in there when I looked back at it. Like, it was literally, you know, I was still thinking about what had gone in the dressing room. So... I said to the chairman and the board, I said, look, you know, I've got a clear idea and sort of pathway of how I see things happening. I just want to bring two players forward. And I said, they're not going to cost a, uh, much in terms of the, the amount of money that they'll cost. 
Um, but the two very different players. One was Joe Scars, steady Eddie, reliable, ultimate professional. Slowest person I've ever worked with, but <laughs> but nobody got past him. He was just clever enough to be in the right area at the right time. And the other one was Maka, who was the complete opposite. He was an absolute whirlwind, um, like a Jordan bunny. He was, you know, he was literally 100 mile an hour. You couldn't be anywhere near the train ground or stadium if he was there, and you couldn't, you know, you'd hear him coming from a mile off. Um, and he played the game like that. You know, he he was, he was like I say, he was an energizer. Everything he, any everything that we did well probably started with with them two players for completely different reasons. Wonderful. Uh, and obviously, before we go on, Ben, you've got the Leicester question. But before we move on to Leicester, um, obviously, we touched very briefly on Kamar Roof, mm. um, but. I mean, that was a real success story for you, wasn't it? And obviously, he's now playing in Anderlecht. Anderlecht, yeah, spoke to him the other day, yeah. yeah. Um, so, I mean, is, is that something that, because it looks to me like something you've got a bit of a knack for, is because you work with footballers, you can see that potential to develop? Yeah, I mean, I mean it was it was an easy one and a lucky one at the same time with, with Kamar, because the first time I, I coached Kamar, he was 14, um, when I saw when I first took over at, at West Brom. And so I obviously see him develop through the ranks at West Brom. He'd had a couple of loans that weren't particularly successful um, for him. Um, and, you know, it could have gone either way for him. So we, we brought him in and he did ever so well for us in um, from like the end of January to the end of the season. Took a little bit of a punt um, to try and try and bring him to the club. Um, I didn't think I'd get the positive like response that I'd got. Um, yeah, and we brought him in and... It worked ever so well for the football club, and by that time we'd put a lot of things in in, in place from a recruitment point of view, where um, we knew what we wanted, who we wanted, and not only that, we knew who we were going to replace them within about a year's time. So, very very quickly, there was a lot of things that were going on behind the scenes, behind the scenes in the first season. So, the likes of Kamar went to Leeds, Callum O'Dowder went to Bristol City. So it's like four and a half million quid's worth of talent that left after that after that season. Uh, and we knew we had to replace them. So we brought in the likes of Marvin Johnson, Chris Maguire. So we had lads who were coming in, who were coming in for relatively small fees, but going for huge amounts of money. Um, so it, it worked for us because we could create a little bit of success on the pitch. But the, from a football club point of view as well, there was return on investment. So the club was making money constantly out of it. Um, and this probably... Out of that group we brought together for about a 12-18 month period, there's probably at least 10 now um, playing in either the Championship, Premier League or somewhere higher. In fact, I think an Oxford United fan tweeted um, something because it came into me. I don't know if it was you, tell or just before I came. It must have been at West Brom that the year we got promoted from League Two, four of the lads were playing in the Championship, four in the Premier League and two were playing in top divisions abroad. You you were saying there about you know when you coached him when he was fourteen for the first time. Do you do you get that sense of Jesus? This kid's special. With you know, obviously you see a lot of talented players when you're in that setup, and a lot of them do go through to have decent careers. But how how do you spot that one that will just be bloody hell? He's he's really good. You know how how. How easy is it to spot that, or how difficult is it for you to to pick up on those? I, I think if they're super talented, like the likes of 
Wayne Rooney and, and these type of guys that, you know, you'd, um, I think most people would be able to spot them, you know. But that certainly wasn't the case with Kamar because when he was, like, younger, 14, 15, 16, he was only like that. There wasn't really much on him. Um, and it wasn't – he was a little bit of a late developer to, to, like, maybe 19, 20 before he really – you've seen the, his physical, like, stats that he could produce. And he, he did a lot of work. Um, a lot of credit goes to him because – I knew for about three years on the trot he was working with a sprint coach every summer before going back into pre-season. Um, and, you know, he, he, he built his legs bigger. He was more powerful um, because he wasn't massively physical stature-wise. Um, he made sure that he had really strong legs and, and his glutes were strong. So that's where all his power come from. Um, and he was dedicated to the game. And he was the type of player that if we were on uh, an away trip on the coach, um, he would be watching videos of of various type of strikers scoring different types of goals. Um, he'd have other lads with a Viz or FHM, and you know, like, and he'd, <laughs> like, and he'd be watching. He'd be watching uh, all these. Thierry Henry was his favourite striker. You know, if you look a lot of his goals, they're very, very similar. He's be- his most popular goal is receiving it on the left hand side and cutting in and curling it. Towards the, the far post, and that was one that Henri was obviously famous for. And you know, Kamar scored probably—I don't know the exact figure, but I reckon probably a third of his goals from that area. I've, I've just noticed the time. I can't believe how it's getting on. I, I, I can nice. sit here all night. So I'm going to have to really—we're <laughs> going to have to probably skip forward to talk a little mm. bit about Lincoln City because <laughs> yeah. um, we're a Lincoln City podcast, I think. Allegedly. Um, so, uh, sorry. Allegedly. allegedly. Yeah. yeah, allegedly. We keep getting told we're two blokes in a pub, but I'm sat here <laughs> drinking Coke. Um, so, what really interests me, so you, you, you've obviously, you, you went from Oxford to Leicester, you came out of Leicester, you, you've turned down jobs or you've been approached for jobs, and, and the Lincoln City job comes up. And uh, at what point do you see that? Is there a thought process where you think that's for me, or, or how, how does that go from September the 9th onwards? Well, I think the biggest lesson I learned, obviously, from the, the first three is make sure you can work with the people that you're going to be working with. And I got an absolute rollicking after leaving Blackburn from, from Sir Alex. Um, he phoned me one day and asked me to come to Carrington and then give me the biggest, like say, rollicking I've ever had uh, for not doing my due diligence properly. Um, so that was something I did at Oxford. Um, I met Daryl the chairman a couple of times before agreeing on the on the on the on the job on the deal um and obviously you know it's imp- it was important for me that when i did come back in after the after leicester that one i could work with the people or believe i can work with the people i'm going to be working with so the board um and obviously make sure it's a stable environment and obviously the football club has a has a great rise over the last three years um you know, I have to make sure I can work with my chief exec, Liam, who I think we've got a pretty good relationship so far. Um, obviously you don't have to say that just because <laughs> you're in the room. <laughs> <laughs> but obviously, you know, uh, Jez, obviously Jez George, a big part of that as well. And obviously Clive and, you know, the rest of the board. It, it's a big board. It's a bloody big board. And it's a little bit of a new experience for me. Um, but, you know, when I, when I met the guys for the first time, I just got, you know, a good feel for it, really. Um I think they're, you know, human beings in the sense of the word that, you know, it's easy to react sometimes and it's easy to get caught up in the moment, but I don't see that with these guys. 
So was it something that kind of appealed straight away? You obviously being a football person, you'd be aware of, of what could be called a pretty spectacular rise. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. But you know, it's one of them where with spectacular rises, there's always a dip. Always doesn't matter where you are. And the reality is, I think I said it before previously. You know, we're in, we're in a different league now altogether, and there's a lot of similarities to to the Oxford scenario. You know, when we got promoted into League One. We haven't been there for 14 years and I think it's over 20 years now that Lincoln are playing at this level. So we're against different different uh, teams with, with different types of players and we're learning very, very quickly um, and hopefully you've seen that and we'll continue to grow and try and improve the squad and um, bring players into the football club over a period of time that you know we'll have bags of energy, loads of athleticism, speed and you know, you'll hopefully enjoy watching them. Wonderful. And I'm going to have to ask it. Um, obviously, you've come in to replace somebody who's been incredibly successful. And from a challenges point of view, that must be quite difficult because, it, let's face it, being second in League One was a false position mm. at, at that time. I mean, for, from that point of view, is that a new challenge? And, and how do you feel that you've you, you've dealt with that? Yeah, I mean, dealing with stuff like that, <laughs> I say when when you've been through some of the stuff that I've been through from, from a football environment, it's it's not that stressful. Um, and I don't really, I only go into a football club if I think I can improve it, you know. And I, and I genuinely feel that I can move the club forward. The job that's been done before I got here was was fantastic, and um, will always be remembered by all the fans because it was such a good period. Um, but it's a different time now. It's different people and. You know, over a period of time, it'd be different players and different squads. Um, footballs, everybody moves on in football. Um, you know, you look at, I'll give you a, well, another good example. I don't apologise for doing it. You look at Oxford now, how good their squad is this year and potentially, you know, where they are in the table. But for two years, they were fighting to start the, the bottom four. So it just shows you, you know, how long it can take sometimes to build a squad and build a group of people that are competitive capable of competing at the, the league that you're playing in you know and I want to make sure over the time that I'm here that you know the three and a half years that hopefully I'm at the football club by the end of my tenure or that that three and a half years we want to be in the championship wow that's a bold statement I think that's the headline isn't it oh there we go that's a bold statement I, no, I, I mean I, I, I'd be happy with that I think that's fair enough. I mean, I think in terms of the work, I don't think anyone's under any illusions that um, you can do everything in terms of training. But there's got to be that kind of level of investment as well. And obviously, as a manager, you must see the potential for that to happen within the club. Yeah, definitely. But, you know, at the end of the day, um, I, I think, like I say, the sensible people, and they have been over the last three years, and, you know, you don't get... Let, let's face it, you don't get promoted out of any league unless you get well-backed. Fact, you know, most leagues, there's not really that many uh, teams that finish maybe f- three or four places, either in from a negative or a, a positive, you know. Um, I think the good thing about the playoffs is that you can find yourself at a club that might have the 10th best budget in the league, and you might overachieve that season, find yourself in the playoffs and get yourself into the next league. Um, so I've got no doubt about it. And I, I, I don't need to know and don't have to know, but I've got no doubt about it that when the club come out of the 
conference and when the club come out of League Two, it was very well backed by the board and all you guys who came every week to support them. Um, and the reality is, obviously, we, like I keep saying, we're in a different league with different budgets, you know, and there's some big clubs in this in this league with huge, huge budgets. So what we have to find is be a little bit more savvy and find a different way. Uh, yes, you want to be backed and you want to be competitive, and I'm sure, you know, that the board will do that over the, the coming years. But we want to do it in a way where we can develop players. So you, you might have a Ellis Chapman on your hands now as an 18-year-old and... You know, he might be a little bit uh, inexperienced, but if he's still at the football club in 12 months' time, imagine how good he could possibly be and playing regular. And we want to be able to produce players that, you know, possibly have took different routes. So whether that's them being released by bigger clubs, whether that's players that have come through the conference and it's not quite happened for them and deserve an opportunity... Because then what you do is you create value on the pitch, but also you turn players that might have a value of next to nothing to all of a sudden be worth million pound players. I'm also I'm quite interested in. Um, sorry, I'm just going to go off on one now and forget people are here. It's like we're chatting over a cup of tea. I'm quite interested in David Kerslake because he's got he's got quite a background. And when he was appointed, some fans um, certainly on social media, people who I thought were informed, were kind of going, "Who's David Kerslake?" Well, I had him on a ProSec card, so I know he was a good player. And um, what does what what kind of does he bring to the to the Michael Appleton management management experience? <coughs> well, first and foremost, I definitely wanted someone older than me you know I thought you know that was that was a key thing um me going to to Oxford and taking Derek Fazakli in with me um you know I'm not I'm not a screaming baller I'm not a screaming shouter um a look tends to be enough uh, from you definitely yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> maybe yeah, a flex yeah. of the shoulders man as well um, but no I, I joking apart I, I think it's one of them where you, you need someone who's clearly experienced by your side and you need someone to put the, put the reins on you every now and again. But I think with Kurz, it's one of them where he's had incredible experiences. Um, you, you don't be as good a player as he was and not know a lot about the game. Um, you know, he will look at the game um, sometimes differently to me and he'll have an opinion and he's prepared to give that opinion. And, I, and that's the type of people I want to work with. I don't want to work with people who just agree with me all the time. You know, one of the things I say to my staff all the time is that if I'm on my way home in the car and I'm not thinking about something that they've challenged me or questioned me on during the day, then I'll probably change my staff pretty quickly. Fair enough. Cool. Ben? Yeah. Anything? Anything you'd like to add before we bring on our... Um, we could say another special guest. Liam would probably call himself a not-so-special guest. I think he said he was on the, the, uh, the periphery. Well, I think it's quiz time, isn't it? Well, we need Liam first. Can't well, yeah, one manager, can we? Well, I'm saying it's quiz time, so let's bring on. Let's bring on our, our next special guest then, um, Liam Scully, CEO. Here he is. I'll move across and uh, make some space for people who are listening. I can see all the controls now as well. Um, <laughs> Liam, I do have a question for you. I think that we need to tell these people about the day you sacked a football mascot. <laughs> I was straight in at the deep end. Straight in. <laughs> wow. Um, so, yeah, so back to my days at Doncaster Rovers. I was, I was probably in my early 20s, first kind of management job or management role in the chief exec at the time. 
Um, it was a, a good guy, a guy called Dave Morris, but he was a phenomenal delegator of uh, of difficult tasks. Um, and Donny Dog, if you picture it, it's a, a cute little mascot, little puppy. Um, and I'd just done a deal with the NSPCC um, <laughs> around it was around awareness of child cruelty, the, the hotline number, um, and what anyone should do to to kind of report this. And it was at the time without getting all, all sinister around sexual exploitation and, and, and making sure there was there was awareness. And at the time, our our um, the the lady that was our mascot was a former glamour model. Um, and when I say former, as in she was forty something, and it was when she was she was twenty odd. And um, I don't know what she was thinking, but to raise money at Christmas time, she thought it'd be a good idea to do a raunchy photo shoot as the club's child's mascot, sponsored by Childline. Um, so picture the the NSPCC and cute little Donny Dog and. Um, and, and, and bless her, you know, um, the, the lady that was volunteering, who did a phenomenal job the majority of the time, but I think there was a bit of bit of brain fade. Um, so, yeah, the chief exec called me in and went, look, this is unacceptable. Um, you're going to have to sort this out. And me and my, my boss at the time, we, we kind of looked at each other and, and decided who, who was, who was going to have to do the, the challenge. And at the time, I was just about to go away and do the Inca Trek with some of the first-team players, so... Uh, Michael Mayno, Mark, Mark Wilson, um, Jimmy O'Connor, James Coppinger. We were just about to, to do this charity trek, and, and literally, the, you know, we're, we're about leaving for the airport, and, and we've had to, to call her in and say, "Look, this is this is not acceptable. You've, you've broken a code of conduct. Child's mascot. You know, you should never take the kids, head, you know, the head off the mascot. Um, you know, it's kids. Yada yada yada. You know, raunchy, lacy underwear. Not really in keeping with what we we're going to do. And I just, if, if I'm honest, naively, I just thought that was the end of it got on a plane to Peru um, and it was before the days of kind of iPhones and, and all that lot but I opened my phone in, in Cusco as we landed and literally my phone had, had blown up and uh, and Jim White, lovely Jim White on, on Sky Sports News had got hold of the story and decided that we'd had a sense of humour failure and that it was completely acceptable to do this. So so Jim White called me out um, and my boss, Eric Randerson, live on Sky Sports saying, we've lost our sense of humour and you've, and you've got to give Donny Dog the, uh, the job back. And, and I think at this time, I had NSPCC on the phone saying, you can't give the job back, we brand association, yada, yada, yada. And, and it, yeah, it, it, it all really kicked off. So I think that was my, my first um, management job in, in football, which was, uh, which was certainly a tough start. But the, the best bit about all of this is 10 days later, we've had to reinstate the, 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 the lady into the mascot. We've all had to apologise, yada, yada, yada. NSPC have dropped us. Um, it's all going crazy. And, and we had to take the mascot um, over to, uh, it's called the French Gate, which is a shopping centre. And, and because it was the daytime, we, um, we just put one of the 16-year-old apprentices in the suit um, and just walked him around the, the shopping centre. And, and about... 40 minutes later, this kid comes, takes the head off, and he's as white as a ghost. And we, uh, we start questioning, going, you know, is everything all right? And, and basically, for the, for the want of a better term, he'd been molested for about 45 minutes because all these people walking around the shopping centre, quote, thought there was some fitty um, <laughs> that had just been on page three uh, in the suit. So, yeah, it was a, it was a very steep, steep learning, learning curve, which I, I shared with you at the time. So, yeah, certainly learned from that point of view what, what management in football was, uh, was all about. And yet I never got sacked for my raunchy lacy underwear shoot with, uh, with Poach at the end. It didn't seem to get as much traction, actually. No, I've still got the photos. If anyone wants them, just... Uh... Like you'd give those away. They're still under your mattress. Selling them, mate. 
Um, I mean, on to serious things. Obviously, we've, we've, we've been chatting to Michael, um, obviously a very experienced man in football. But from, from your experience of working with Michael for the first couple of weeks, what's that been like? And what sort of positive things have you taken from him? Look, I think you know we're, we're still in the early phases of a, of a new relationship, and, and I think it's really important. The one, the one thing that, that happens in football, and because everybody's got a, an opinion in football, is you know if you, if you went into an engineering business, you wouldn't have the accounts team getting involved with the people on the you know in in, in manufacturing. And, and and the one thing I'm a big believer in is, is staying in your lanes uh, and making sure that you know if you're gonna. Um, you know, if you're going to add value, if you're going to partake in, in conversations, just making sure that you, you you know you know what you're doing. And I think the one thing I've noticed and, and I've I've been witness to in football is there's you know especially when it comes to on-field activities, there's a lot of you know a lot of people that have a, a lot of opinions. Um, and I think myself and Michael, you know, it, it, you know we've we've clearly um, you know we're, we're new into the relationship. But the, but the thing is, you know, Michael knows his trading business, and without being you know corny and, and it's awkward side of it. So you know, for me, there's there's no point trying to get involved. And you know. If, if you were in your office and, and someone starts hanging over your laptop and starts looking what you're typing, and, and that's why I always, you know, stay away close from browser, the training. Close browser, close <laughs> browser. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, you know, I, I think the, the good thing that is, you know, we're, we, we're, we've, we've both been around football long enough. We're, we're respectful of the job each other's got to do. You know, there's going to be times that we see things differently and there's going to be times that we see things, you know, the, the same way. So I think the, the best thing about it is we've, we've both been around football long enough. We've, we've had, you know, we, we've seen quite a lot despite our relatively young years. Um, uh, and for me, I think, you know, we'll, we'll always be you know, respectful and, and of the challenge. And, and ultimately, I've got a job to do on, on behalf of the board and, 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 and so is Michael. And 99.9% of the time, they're, they're, they're the same job. Um, but but every now and then that you know football is you know that's what it is you've you've got to have those those differences. Um, but I think the best thing that, that comes in and listen you don't need me to tell you and it is a bit embarrassing sat in front of you, but you know there's just real clarity of thought and, and mind and process and and you know right throughout from Clive and the board we we like to see ourselves as a process driven football club and organisation you, you know you can't control outputs necessarily but you can control inputs and you can control the processes that you put in you know in front of us and, and I think that's that's the attraction and that's where there's alignment between Michael Appleton and, and Lincoln City and, and the board cool. yeah I mean from from the point of view where you know we, we sit we're sort of in a relatively privileged position obviously you know tonight is an example of that but just being um, just looking at it from a fan's point of view the the way that the the process was carried out from you know take on, uh, doing the interviews and everything for for the new manager um, personally I thought it was it was handled really well by the board and I thought the communication was was you know good enough for the fans I know we had the the fans forum around the time um, where it was a lot of speculation was going on um, I know we've um, obviously come to you know got you got we've got your man um, but one thing that I think me and Gary would were quite keen to know, and I know I asked at the time, how close was Steve Evans to come into Lincoln? <laughs> Probably not very. <laughs> Couldn't afford the catering. That was Gary that said that. If anyone's listening, Again, legal teams. Anyone, anyone who uh, has, has not listened to it, under the Kosh podcast, Ryan Cresswell episode, that's the one to listen to. We'll go no further because Ben's <coughs> got a little thing that he's going to do now. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. But, yeah, no, there's this, not your... Oh, sorry, oh, yeah. No, that, <laughs> See, yeah. Rachel nodded away over there. That's not what I'm talking about, Rachel. It's his, his other little thing. Balls. <laughs> it's like a baguette. Um, anyway... So, 
You've been playing uh, with your doll's house again. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I think so, we've gone off. off, off yeah, yeah, so, yeah, so Gary's got a quiz. Um, for, for Are we doing my for, quiz first? Yeah, I mean, I was okay, going to say... Yeah, yeah. yeah, we'll do yeah, my quiz so, first. So, okay. I've put a little quiz together. It was originally... Uh, the answers are on there, Liam. Look <laughs> uh, at that. I'm get to. Look at that. That's a point to Michael. Right, oh. there you go. There's a lesson there. Now, we've got a little quiz. It's four or five questions about Link City. It's not going to take long. I normally do Stacey West quiz on the blog, and people obviously play along and don't get very good scores. Andy, I see you looking straight at me there. Um... But we have got a prize for this one. Uh, Liam, I don't, I'm, I'm trying... Look at all these bloody cables. Oh, dear. So it's chocolate, Michael. So this is serious business, man. <laughs> serious business. So we've got a, uh, a child selection box that was on offer in the co-op at the same time as club bars. And, yeah, the other chocolate, exactly. So how are we going to do this? We're going to do quick fire. have got five questions. And you just chime in. So as soon as you know the answer, say either Michael or Liam. Obviously, Liam, you say Liam. Michael, you say Michael. If you know the answer, points-based system. Michael's already one up. Okay. <laughs> but the next one's probably right. a gimme. Okay. You're best so, mate. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. It's probably you. I need to look after Liam, isn't it, to be fair? But there we go. So are we ready? Question number one. Can you tell me Sinsel Bank's capacity to the nearest 100? Liam. 10,256. Well, I've got 10,100 on there, according to Wikipedia. I always believe what Wikipedia says. I will. <laughs> <laughs> it gave me all of my, uh, all of my research for Michael, so I'm, I'm going to have that. So, no, I'm afraid. You're not having that. Does that mean I win the point? Uh, ben, you're the adjudicator. What do you reckon? I, I would say that's null and void, but I'm quite glad void. I edited Wikipedia before you went. On you're sat close to Michael. He's a big lad. He's got the stare, and you just cost yeah, the, the point. point. Michael gets the point. <laughs> you just you don't know. So that's still one nil to Michael. Unfortunately, we don't pass the points over. <laughs> okay, this was for Toff uh, while he was here. So uh, he's not here. But see if one of you can answer it anyway. Uh, Toff's song is set to the tune of "Hey Baby," which popular 1987 film did "Hey Baby" appear on the soundtrack of? Yeah, that's Lincoln City related, Gary. <laughs> it is Lincoln City related. Hey, hey, baby. Starring... Who, oh, who said easy? Who said easy? And the answer is? It is Dirty Dancing. There we go. We've got a late oh entrance. God, wow, okay. wife will kill me for that. That's a very good <laughs> So we've got one point for the audience. Yep. Uh, okay, here we go. Which Lincoln City player got the first booking under the Michael Appleton era? He was away at Blackpool. That's the that. only book in. Liam. Erds? Oh, it's not Erds. We'll throw it over. Stab in the dark. Uh, John Morrell? Callum Connolly. Mm. Doing well here. Yes, only two questions left. How many years have Lincoln City played at Sinsel Bank? Liam. 128. It's going to be unpopular, but I'm going to give you that. 124. <laughs> oh, it's close enough, though, isn't it? Well, what happened to the like, last <laughs> year? Oh, yeah, hold on a minute. I'm out of your reach. Yeah. <laughs> if you go across, it's Ben who's losing his teeth, not me. <laughs> so, so is this 1-1? One, one? This is 1-1. This is one, one. Now, this is a real crucial one, and I don't think anyone's going to get it. Um, the Which current Lincoln City squad member once scored against Newcastle United in the FA Cup? In a giant killing act. 
playing for a current League Two club who have got the two worst kits in the world. <laughs> Both with Burger King on the front. Liam, yes. Tom Pett. No, but it's the right club, but it's the wrong player. I do have a bonus question, by the way, if we don't get it. Any guess at all, Michael? I think I can hear it in the crowd. Ah. Ooh. <laughs> Mr. Boswick. It's Mr. Boswick. We do have a winner. The last question was, last season's kit resembles the bag of which famous supermarket chain that's now defunct. Do we have to talk kits? <laughs> it's probably really? best not to. Uh, so we have a winner. Here he is. Mr. Appleton is the winner. <laughs> <laughs> that 99.19% of the time they get on, apparently that's not it. So there we go. Congratulations. Thank you very much. There you go. Round of applause. What's going to be the, what's the first one out of the box? I haven't, no, I haven't had anything out of it. I don't first think... out of the box, definitely double-decker. Double-decker? Oh, I didn't yeah, see. Good choice. I should have owned <laughs> that's why it was on sale who knows me well who just said that <laughs> I know it wasn't my dad I could see cool so um, yeah next next, uh, I've sort of put together a little quick fire it's actually three minutes past eight so oh, that's um, alright go on then man. yeah quick fire this or that questions uh, what I think uh, Liam and Michael can both answer at the same time I want to go I'll play this as well okay I right, feel like go. I'm one of the guests so. Uh, right so Michael tea or coffee Tea. 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 Beer or wine? Beer. Wine. Beer. Night out with the boys or night in with the missus? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Does she listen? <laughs> I'd have to say I'm, I'm a little bit older for the nights out now, so yeah, night in with the missus. Can I give two answers and just cut a certain <laughs> bit? <laughs> I'll send you a separate edit, yeah. Is that like the bonus edition? Uh, night in with the missus. Your fee doesn't listen, but night in with the missus, I couldn't go out drinking. I'll prove that. <laughs> a night in with the missus, of course. <laughs> um, iPhone or Android? iPhone. iPhone. Android. FIFA or Football Manager? Neither. Ooh. FIFA? Pack Neymar this morning. Bad for it. <laughs> FIFA. Uh, Nando's or KFC? KFC. 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 Mackey's or Burger King? Mackey's. What is this? Are they, are they all down there? Yeah. Burger King burgers and McDonald's chips. That's the right answer. <laughs> not, not the chips me and my old man on the way, the way in here. They tasted like a... Ble- Carton full of maggots, but uh, <laughs> McDonald's. Yeah, fair enough. Manage Lincoln in the Premier League or become England manager? <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> <That's dangerous. laughs> well, the more realistic one's going to be managing Lincoln in the Premier League. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Lim? Ooh. Uh, yeah, Lincoln in the Premier League. Absolute no-brainer for me, England. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, rock or rap? Oh. Uh, if I had to choose rap, Ooh. more it depends. If you're talking like indie rock or like rock as in hard rock, just any. You well, know, there's loads of different. If rocks. you're talking like you know your Oasis, etc. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Then it'd be Oasis all all day long okay. and Cortinas, etc. And fair enough. Yeah. 
anyone from Manchester. Well, not heavy well. metal. Spiral, <laughs> spiral carpets, stone roses. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, rock. Oh, well, yeah, obviously rock anything with guitars. Call or text? Text. 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 Messi or Ronaldo? Ronaldo. Messi. How many of these are there? Um, Ronaldo. Last minute winner or 4 0 up at half time? Last minute winner. Last minute winner. 4 0 up at half time because I can't stand it. <laughs> <laughs> Ferrari or Aston? Aston. Aston. Have you never seen my two litre Astra? Honestly. I'll have uh, Aston. Fair enough. Uh, Oasis or Blur? As if I need to ask. Yeah, I don't. I... Oasis. <laughs> Oasis. Any yeah. Of them. yeah, same. At school, I actually picked Blur, and now looking back on it, I bet I looked like a right twat. Uh, so, <laughs> Oasis. Uh, last one, uh, bath or shower? Shower. Shower. I don't have any choice, because my bath's in pieces in my backyard <laughs> at the minute, so I'm having the bathroom fitted, so yeah. shower. Fair enough, there we go. Thank you for that. Um, anything else we need to do before we... Before we wrap up, no, I, I I don't think so. There's obviously all the thank yous, Absolutely, which um, yeah. list obviously. But we'll come to Michael last because he's the the, the the special. But huge thank you to Liam mm-hmm. for setting it up. Thank you to Lincoln City, the guy that came to do the tea. Massive yeah. thank you to Terry at the back, who mm-hmm. um, me and him thrashed this out over a couple of phone calls. <laughs> one of which while I was trying to queue in the chippy, and uh, I was just like quickly. I've got to call you back and put it down. And then I picked the phone back up and rang him and he goes, I'll never get between a man and his chips. So he knows me too well. I mean, to be fair... It's Nobody not has. As, <laughs> it's not as bad as the one you t- when you text me yesterday yeah, saying, oh, one. I'm just on the toilet. I'll ring you in a minute. That was actually today, wasn't it? I think it might have been yesterday. Could have been FaceTime. Yeah, well... <laughs> oh. No, he's Android. <laughs> yeah, I, I am Android. I, 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 oh, just man. with Apple, and yeah, it's all it's a conspiracy. It's like a cult. Uh, thank you to uh, Bob's who's disappeared somewhere for coming and hey, taking the photos. Massive thank you to everybody here who's come along and um, indulged us in this, and of course to to Harry Toffolo and to Michael Appleton for agreeing and, uh, and and taking it seriously as well, which is a little bit more than I think yeah. <laughs> uh, we usually do. Um, yeah. Anything to add? Uh, big thanks to Lincoln Sound Group as well for dragging me out of shit with, Sound uh, Group. <laughs> with the PA system. Um, I had a PA system lined up and then it uh, fell through. They pulled me out of it on Friday. So, so. so we had technical difficulties, did we, Ben? We did. <laughs> Imagine my surprise. Hey, you'd be screwed if I didn't do this. Yes, yeah, I actually said that to Dad on the way here. I said, if Ben didn't do all this technical stuff, I'd have to find somebody else who did. So... Um, <laughs> <laughs> There's got to be an analogy for that, isn't there? Well, there may yeah, be an the, analogy for that, but shall we wrap it up? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is, what, ten yeah. past Do we eight, want any of your analogies, Ben? No, uh, I, don't wanna, another I, analogy? I don't want to keep here, people here till ten o'clock, so no. I'll just leave it at that. So I think that's it, really. Two live Stacey West blogs, genuinely, uh, genuinely a, a massive pleasure. A massive pleasure to, to chat to Michael, to chat to Liam. But more than anything at all, just a, a massive pleasure to sit here next to my good friend Ben, and be allowed to do this um, because three years ago I was selling building materials and I don't know how the hell this has happened. So <laughs> thank yeah. you very much. Yeah. Good night.
good, sir. I had a defensive night. I thought it was brilliant. Yeah, really yeah. good, really enjoyable, really interesting to hear. Um, you know the, the sort of um, Michael's early years, some of the stories he's got about those um, events that have led up to, to us, thankfully having him as our manager. So yeah, I thought it was really, really interesting. Really you've seen him as a different in a different light tonight. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, I, I really liked. Um, sort of kept going back to the human element of the game yeah. and about people yeah. and, and that, I found that really quite impressive and uh, yeah I think he's um, he's a top guy to have it actually. I mean fully, not that I didn't think that yeah, before fully, but, fully behind him now though yeah well, I, I always was but yeah I think it's just reinforced the fact that we've got a good one here um, and you know we, we need to stick behind and, and see, see where we are this time next year because I think it's, it's going to be exciting yeah brilliant what did you reckon tonight then Andy? I enjoyed it. Uh, I thought uh, Michael Upton came across really, really well. Yeah. Honest uh, and open sort of chat. And I think the podcast worked. It was really relaxed as it is in the normal yeah. time when you listen to it. It, 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 it was enjoyable evening. Yeah, definitely heard, listen, like, definitely seen Michael in a different light now to, yeah. to what he did maybe before he got appointed. Yeah, I think... I, sorry, my fans. Right. No, um, yeah, I think... It, I, I mean, I've always... Like I said, I'm a bit vocal on uh, Twitter my, yeah. with my opinions, but I think he's come across really well. Uh, I've learnt a lot more about him tonight. Hopefully when people listen to the pod, yeah. they'll get a good insight into him as well. And hopefully the, uh, you know, the club can go forward now. Yeah. So, Behind Positivity from now on. Yeah, yeah. Fully Can you be- cut that bit out. Yeah. <laughs> Fully behind. Absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. All yeah, the yeah. projects he's got. Yeah, and it's all looking city, isn't it? So tonight's been, like I say, very informal, hasn't it? And, and relaxed. But I think it's been quite open from, um, you know, from the questions he's been asked, and he's he's given quite a good insight. And he looked quite comfortable. Yeah. Um, you know, when he's talking, which is the main thing. So. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Did you enjoy that tonight? Yeah, it was brilliant. That was. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he came across as genuine, honest. Yeah, I liked him. But I thought that I thought that before he even got the job. So, so uh, is, has he changed your opinion tonight then of how how you, you saw him like at all? He's confirmed it. He's confirmed what he already thought. But to hear it from his mouth um, and what he was saying about what he expects from the club uh, and what what he wants to do with the club. It's exciting. Isn't it? it is exciting. Yeah, it's got to be a little bit more exciting than it was before. So uh, no, he came across brilliant. And looking forward to the future. Fully behind, fully behind him now for the rest of his contract and looking well, forward to Saturday. Really. Yeah, I always was, but yeah, even more so after hearing uh, hearing him tonight. It just seems genuine. It just seems like a genuine guy. Yeah. Um, yeah so I think, uh, I think we've got a good one on our hands. Cool. Are oh, you all right? Chris is the um, professional at this now. Uh, so obviously you enjoyed tonight yeah fantastic it's really good really insightful yeah. enjoyable hearing about some of uh, you know, Michael's uh, past jobs and yeah. uh, successes so. are you definitely seeing him in a different light now compared to when you were first rumoured to come in yeah yeah absolutely I mean we heard quite a bit about him before he came but um, it's good just to, to hear it first hand yeah, yeah definitely yeah. definitely behind him now then and, you know he's got an exciting idea for how Lincoln could be in the future and you told all that tonight absolutely I mean you know the, the thing that will stay with me is uh, uh, Michael's um, point about uh, three and a half years time in the championship yeah. do me yeah exactly brilliant around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in.
At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.